All right, all right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Polly with us. I'm here with my man, Heem. How you feeling? I'm good, man. I hear uh, taking in this, this beautiful Texas uh, sign, so I'm good. <laughs> oh, you down to Texas? You have power? You have power? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're good down know, here, yeah. You, you know, you in Texas, I just got to, you know, ask, because, you know, the power situation is kind of hectic <laughs> down here. They can't handle the cold, and now <laughs> the grid is struggling with the heat. I yeah. don't know. I'm just making sure. The first night, actually, the power did go out because of um, it was like a rainstorm up down here and stuff. But other than that, it's been fine. All right, since well, Texas, Texas might be different, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Texas is a state where I love a lot of the cities in Texas. Um, uh, Houston, great city. Dallas, um, San Antonio is underrated. I actually, um, have fun while I was in San Antonio yeah. as well. The Riverwalk. Especially at night, the river walk during the daytime it's like, and eh, it's underwhelming. But at night, the river walk is kind of like it. It looks it looks great at night. Um, Austin, San Antonio's I mean, un- it's like, yeah, yeah. Austin's really good too. Yeah, San Antonio's yeah. like an underrated tourist city. Like people, you look at Dallas and Houston; those are the places where you got to kind of know somebody. San Antonio, right. you can walk into like whatever and have fun down there. Except for Alamo, Alamo is like whack and racist, but I think that's pretty yeah, cool. The, the, the Alamo is really whack. That's like the worst place I've been in San Antonio. I was like, yes. Yeah. I was like, this, and I'm a history person too. <laughs> and I still didn't enjoy the Alamo. I was like, this is this absolutely is whack. whack. <laughs> and they it, have a bunch like of a... other stuff in San Antonio that's fun. But yeah, mm-hmm. Alamo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. But we're good down here. Uh, uh, the, it's it's hot like it's supposed to be in Texas, so it's cool. All right, all right. Just the the thing is, it's funny asking about power, but it's actually a serious issue down there. Mm-hmm. Um, people done lost their lives, and it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all because they didn't do what they need to do with the power grid. They gave the power to private corporations, yep. and you could say you don't trust the government, and I don't. There's no reason to trust the government, but there's no reason to trust private corporations either. And the thing about private corporations, if you let them. Um, take a shortcut, most likely they're going to take that because they don't want to spend the money. Yep. So, all the profits. Yeah. And uh, their um, avid, their governor, Texas governor is terrible. Yeah. Just a governor terrible, attorney general is terrible. They might have the worst senator out of the hundred, and that's saying a yeah. lot in Ted Cruz. Yeah. So definitely the most disliked senator out of a hundred, like easily, like both parties, both his Republican colleagues and Democrats dislike him. Um, yeah. And he's a and he's a, a, a eunuch too. So like, <laughs> you know, all these bad things about dude. He do kind of like Nero a little bit, you know. You take the like a blowfish. Blow. <laughs> you know, disgusting dude, man. He's a nasty looking dude. <laughs> right. So it's funny. How do I love and hate Texas at the same time? That's it's, crazy. It's, Everybody's like that, man. It's like a lot of areas like that. Like I, Texas is one of those places where you, you can have a good time. It's good stuff down here, good opportunities. But it's also like, yeah, why do we have the worst politicians in the history of, of planet Earth? Like, why? But we'll see. <laughs> for real, for real. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, we have a little bit to talk about in a short Word. amount of time. Word. There's so much to get to. I know we didn't get to Juneteenth last week. So I know you want to um, have a little comment on that. What you wanna what you wanna speak about? Just real brief, man. Like I, you know, being in Texas where um June actually was a, a holiday in the state, uh, I think for many years now. Um, and because it started in Galveston, Texas, where you know, after years after the Emancipation Proclamation in Galveston, Texas, slaves were finally told that hey, uh 
you know, the slaves anymore because we freed you guys two years ago. Um, from that point to uh, making this this period now, it's it's remarkable, and it's it's something that we should like really take time and say this is great that um, this has become a federal holiday. But it's always about me. Um, <laughs> it's funny because a year ago, I doubt many people, especially a Joe Biden or many people were, were, were thinking about like Juneteenth as anything. They probably had never even heard of it or even like thought about it. And so it's very interesting how in a year, because of the death of George Floyd and the uprisings last year um, across many places across the country and the world, um, this is now like something that that it, it was pressing and got unanimous support in the Senate and got all but 14 votes in the House and Joe Biden had to pass his bill to make Juneteenth holiday. So I'm going to commemorate it and, and be uh, proud of it. And it's really good. And it's always good to have a day off as well. But um, it, was, it was really good to see, um, at least, I don't know, I was in Buffalo, but in D.C., there was so many, like, nice celebrations happening. People were doing stuff for black people in the city and stuff. But uh, I always feel like sometimes these things, people, these symbolic gestures, people think that, all right, we've done it. We've made it. Um, that's enough. And it's not even close to enough. Like, Juneteenth, there was no transformation of power, no consequence, no... Uh, 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 anything to kind of like really acknowledge like the situation that's at hand. It's just the thing that we just kind of do to make sure that hey, we did this. This is enough, right? It's not. So just kind of like think about that. But I'm I'm happy that it's a holiday. Um, it was a long time coming. Um, but we can definitely do a lot more to uh, commemorate slavery. Uh, during that, during just the great slavery and remember slavery in this country, and 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 also uh, do more to rectify damage to slavery, which is we talk about a lot with reparations. So just kind of want to bring that up. Yeah, I'm trying to rectify damage my cat's trying to do right now. He's down. <laughs> one of my cats is down there wrecking all sorts of habit, trying to like chew the cord. I, I yeah. don't know. But as far as, <laughs> as far as Juneteenth is concerned, um, there there's a couple things that um I want to say. First, life is really about balance. Like mm-hmm. you can't go too far in any direction because it's an argument that. You know, that's all we do is symbolic actions and symbolism is worthless and mm-hmm. I'm sick of symbolism and I, I feel that way. But at the same time, the history behind it is important. Mm-hmm. So symbolism do have some value. But the thing mm-hmm. is, with the democratic establishment, that all they really give us is symbolism, especially when it comes to black issues. Word. So it, it needs to be a balance. Yes, I, I do like symbolic actions. I do like black history and people knowing the truth, but in the day we need some real policies. So um, life is about balance. So we need to get some sort of equilibrium when it comes to symbolism and actually direct action. Mm -hmm. That's one. Number two, perspective. It it, is funny what area you grow up in the country or in the world just basically (laughs) shape your perspective. When I was, um, I didn't realize how different everything is from where you live at until I actually went to the military. I was in the Air Force after high school. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, when I went to the Air Force, there was a bunch of people I never heard of Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was shocking because in Buffalo, I grew up in Buffalo, like we had Juneteenth celebrations ever since I can remember. I remember being like, a, a little little kid like maybe four or five going to juneteenth celebrations here in buffalo in the 80s <laughs> you know mm-hmm. wow so 
every every since I can remember, we had Juneteenth celebrations here. It was mm-hmm. it happened every year. So I always knew about Juneteenth, and it's it's kind of like I don't know what the what the proper word I sh- I'm looking for it is, but funny is not it. But it's it's jarring and interesting to me to see how just now people are learning about Juneteenth and it's something that if you're from the area of Buffalo, you grew up in the city of Buffalo, you knew about your whole life. Right. Because it always happened. It was just a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we didn't even question. Like I remember one point I assumed Juneteenth happened everywhere mm-hmm. for a while because it was just part of what happened here. Come to find out, it's not in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So like it's it's just funny where you live at how how it sh- how it shapes your environment and the way you think and what you know and what you don't know. I grew up in PG County and um we we didn't have Juneteenth celebrations until like I think 2009 or 10. And this is all predominantly black county. All this stuff is there and it wasn't there wasn't anything until 2009 or 10 and they only made it a holiday in the county um I think last year. So, <laughs> you know what I mean like Wow. Yeah, so it's you know it's just it's something that yeah. Well, it wasn't a holiday here. Um, we just had the celebration. They just mm-hmm. made it a holiday this year as well. Before Biden did it, um, mm-hmm. they did it here after you know the George Floyd situation and murder. I shouldn't call it a situation, but murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody knows about Juneteenth here. So we had right. the parade. It was a whole weekend. We had the parade on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think one of the reasons why it's probably bigger here than in a lot of other areas, Buffalo was a big stop on the Underground Railroad right. because we right. borderline Canada. Right. Like Buffalo, borderline Ontario, Canada. So it was right. a big hub in the Underground Railroad. So that might be one of the reasons. Um, we still have Underground Railroad tours here in the city if you come here. Um, it's one of the churches where uh, they used to hide the escaped Africans that escaped mm-hmm. from slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little areas. It, it was funny. A lot of these areas they was hiding. It wasn't big at all. It was like you have to go see how small yeah. it is. It's crazy. And then you go up um, to because they went from Buffalo. They would go up right to like Lewiston um, area north of Buffalo, and you see the water and how they had to actually cross into Canada because they had to go over the water to go into Canada. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, it's crazy. Like, right. that's so dangerous. Um, in the area here is a statue of Harriet Tubman um, having a child in her hand, giving it to the parents on the boat. And mm. it's like, yo, it's super it's super crazy. It's ill, though. That's crazy. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. One day I'm going to go up there and visit that place. Yeah, yeah, you know. Buffalo got some stuff. I mean, if, if fire is like, <laughs> like nightlife, eh, it's well, not, yeah. the, yeah, not, not, not really, the, not really the city for that. I ain't gonna lie. Our, our lounge scene is terrible. We don't really have lounge. It's like we have hood bars here, yeah, or we have upscale bars that mainly white. <laughs> we don't really have anything in between really right right i mean it's getting better they, we have a few spots but it's just like man i'm grown too i'm not trying to go to any clubs right like, we, we need some some nice black upscale lounges here man we, we gotta make that happen but right. you day. know but 
<laughs> and if you come, make sure you don't come in the winter. The winter winners. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely but it's nice now, right now. The, the weather nice here. You can come, you know, hit up Niagara Falls. Like when, when Canada open, we can maybe go to Canada. Niagara Falls, Canada is much better. Okay. So, but it is what it is. Anyway, that's that's my thoughts with Juneteenth. You remember Trump said he didn't hear Juneteenth until like. Last year, remember when Trump little comments on Juneteenth? He didn't. Yeah. But you know what? As as much dumb stuff as Trump say, that wasn't the dumbest because of, like a lot, a lot of people didn't. haven't heard yeah. it. So yeah. I didn't get at him as much as other people did for that. There was plenty of other stuff you could get at Trump about. Exactly. <laughs> so, but all right. But speaking, I, I mentioned my you know city, and this is kind of a continuation from last week. We mentioned local politics. Mm-hmm. So Buffalo been in the news today because New York State had their primaries yesterday. I voted. Um, and we are the biggest city to elect a socialist mayor mm. since Milwaukee in about 1960. Right, right, yeah. So it, it, it's really interesting to get people feelings on it. And it's, it's never just one scenario a bunch of different things happen for this first of all i should say more than likely going to be the mayor because our current mayor he haven't conceded but that doesn't make a difference nobody cares there's there's speculation that he might try to do a writing campaign in november because the republicans don't even bother running candidates here because they're not going to win like we mm-hmm. haven't had a, a Republican mayor here since like the sixties. Mm. We barely have we might have one independent common council Republican common council member. Um, but usually all the common council members is a Democrat. This this is a Democrat city in the city right. itself. The county is a little bit different. <laughs> um, but there's speculation he might try to do a writing campaign. It's more than likely won't succeed, but is you know what is it's not a guarantee it won't just because now that she identified herself as a socialist, you know, establishments don't like I'm that. I'm scared. <laughs> yep. They get scared. Yep. And the Democratic Party in New York State, the, the establishment Democratic Party, um, won't like the fact that Bar- Brown got defeated because he's a former party chair of um, the Democratic Party in New York State. He's mm-hmm. really close with Andrew Cuomo. Mm-hmm. So, and he still got money in the bank. Yep. He still got money in the bank. And if he does write, try to do a writing campaign, I'm sure corporate forces will, will go full-fledged, especially since now getting national attention and giving mm-hmm. him money uh, for a writing campaign. So it's not completely over, but more than likely she's going to I just wanted to preface with that. Just to give like a, a little example, in D.C., I want to say in um, uh, 2000 and I think it was 2002, Anthony Williams was the mayor of D.C. I think he had lost the Democratic primary. It's his second term ran for mayor. He lost the primary, and uh, he ended up doing a writing campaign himself because uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, himself during the general election and actually got on and won, won as a mayor uh, for uh, for D.C. and stuff. So I'm not saying – I'm not trying to scare you nothing like that mm-hmm. um, if, if you want to do that, but just saying that it's happened before where uh, – yeah. Somebody's done that, especially if they're a big name like uh, Mayor Brown is. Who I think had who's mayor for like four terms or five terms. Four terms. Yeah, sixteen so, years. Yeah. Sixteen years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, so don't. But 
And just to mention, like, he is a historic figure here. He was the first black mayor of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, he'd been mayor for 16 years. So he still had the name recognition, but uh, I'll get into what made this possible in a second. But just to buffer your point, not just in D.C., but you remember Joe Lieberman, right? He lost the Democratic um, nomination to Led Lamont, I believe it was. That was his name. Mm-hmm. And I think Lamont is now the governor of um, Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken now. I think you're right, but, yeah. Yeah, he won the Democratic nomination over Senator Joe Lieberman, who basically was almost a Republican, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, he endorsed John McCain in a way. Um, but he ran as an independent in the general election, and he was able to win the nomination. In this case, Brown won't be able to do that, but he can't do a right campaign. But, you know, so that just goes to show you that it's not fully over, but mo- more than likely she will be the next mayor of the city. Okay. Well, happy for you all to get up. Like, uh, even just the um, reading about it, even like, you know, obviously, like I'm a pretty leftist person myself, but that was actually the thing that I was like really excited for. It's more so that. She tackled a machine candidate um, in the state of New York. Um, you know, like you said, uh, your current mayor, Mayor Brown, he uh, uh, is pretty much like really close with like Andrew Cuomo, who's like the the don of New York State, pretty much. And mm-hmm. for, for her to come up out, out on top as a black woman, that's very progressive, and she's claiming she's saying she's a socialist now. Um, that's that's remarkable. And kudos to y'all for doing that, for taking that step. Um, you know, hopefully in November she's able to, uh, you know. Uh, actually ascend to the mayorship and become mayor of, of, of your city and you know hopefully she come in and actually create some like really positive changes to, for, for, your, for your city so that's really good news uh, I, I hope so and for local each area is different we was talking about this last week it's hard to have one model fit across the nation in local right. cities because mm-hmm. the dynamics is so different from area to area mm-hmm. now the dynamics here is that Mayor Brown is still popular among a certain segment of the population here. Obviously, mm-hmm. he you won't you don't get elected, <laughs> you know, for to four terms without being right somewhat popular, right? Um, but over the last year, a lot of people soured on him in the city. Um, for one, Buffalo have made progress since he's been mayor. Um, because mm-hmm. Buffalo was a basically a dead city almost now it's still not the most popping city in the world but we had somewhat of a resurgence mm-hmm. in, in, in the area but a lot of those gains <laughs> haven't been made in the typical areas you expect a lot of, like the black areas in the city it's not you know it's still a major struggle we still the third poorest city in the country poverty is real here there's a lot of struggle and a lot of the average people haven't seen the progress the city has made. Mm-hmm. A lot of the progress been focused in the downtown area <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. and the business districts. There's been a lot of construction going on, but people in our tense skin tone, a lot of them is not getting the right. jobs. As now, I want to be fair, he has done some stuff in the black neighborhood. We did we did have some um, job training center. <clears throat> A job training center that opened in the black area here in the east side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't say been absolutely nothing, but as much progress as the city has made, 
the progress has been very slow in certain areas. Right. So those people was frustrated. And his response, I think was really so did his response um to the George Floyd protest um when the older white gentleman was mm-hmm. pushed right. and hit the ground and blood was all out his That's ear right. and stuff. And the police lied about the report. Initially, right. he defended the police. And not until it became a national story and pressure got put on, he kind of changed his story a little bit. Mm. And then because of that, more attention got put on Carrier <clears throat> Horn. Carrier Horn was a officer, was a former police officer in Buffalo that That's was right. fired in 2006. That's right. Um, she got fired because she intervened um, when the um, a fellow police officer was using excessive force, and that police mm-hmm. officer ended up striking her. And they kind of they got into it, and they fired mm-hmm. her without her pension. She was she was like a few months, I believe, away from her pension. And they fired her, yep. so she wasn't able to collect her pension for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Supreme Court in New York ruled that she should get her her pension, and the cop that they took the side of, he ended up being a corrupt. He ended up going to jail a few years later. So she was proven right in the whole situation. So it brought back that issue. And then it forced the city to pass like a version of police reform called Carrio's Law, right. where a police officer, if a police officer see another officer use the excessive force or doing the wrong thing, they must step in. So the city did pass that here. That was last um, week, think, right? That was last week, right? No, it didn't pass that last week. It's been passed for a few months now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's been passed for a little bit now. But that's. That was a big thing. It, it it did pass. So we so that that spotlight it made some positive changes, but it did bring about some of those old issues. And then the whole problems with Andrew Cuomo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problems he's having, and he's he's very linked to Andrew Cuomo. That didn't help, you know. Mm-hmm. So. There, there was a variety of um, reasons. And then on off-year elections where there's not a presidential election or a governor's race, a lot of times turnout is lower and insurgent candidates can make mm-hmm. gains during this too. So it's a combination of a bunch of different things. And you have some people that just didn't stay home because they wasn't messing with Bayer Brown, didn't know enough about India Walton. That's the candidate. Um mm-hmm. So there, there's a variety of reasons to, to win to it. And then mm-hmm. India ran a very grassroots campaign. And Mayor Brown made a mistake. His strategy was not to acknowledge her. He wouldn't debate. He wouldn't debate her. He basically didn't acknowledge she existed. And meanwhile, she ran a grassroots campaign. She had the endorsement of DSA of Buffalo <laughs> and the DSA National Party. Uh, our revolution endorsed her. Mm-hmm. She had um, the Workers' Family Party here in New York State, so mm-hmm. she got a bunch of grassroots support. She's a nurse. Um, you know, people can relate to the story, a regular person that um, had struggles growing up, um, fairly young. She's only a year older than me. Wow. You know, so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. She she was heavily involved in her union. Right. So, you know, she had the union politics, so. Yeah, she's a political outsider, so um, everything came together for her. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I think uh, a big mistake um, that a lot of these candidates have, 
um, the bigger like already established names or whatever candidates is that they don't um, they forget about the community. Um, they don't they don't go to debates. They don't like really address community needs. I know I I, I remember that documentary that came out a couple of years ago about the four women that were running for um, Congress. Um, AOC was a part of them. They followed them as they were running for Congress. Cori Bush was also a part of it. She lost that race to um, to the incumbent, but she won two years later. But uh, Lacey Clay, and, I believe she lost too, right? Yeah, Lacey Clay. Lacey Clay, that's yep. right. Yeah. Um, and so um, they they made they all made the mistake of like, yeah, I'm not going to acknowledge this, this insurgent that's running against me. They're not a not anything. And for the most part, it works. Um, most time, it works. Like usually, like you can ignore them and, and it's okay. But I think and and um in your mayor race uh, case right there, what's happened is that she was on the ground working hard, like you mentioned. She was able to pull endorsements from different uh, parts of the state to come in and help her and help on the, on the grassroots. And so what happens is that uh, what usually is like a small, tiny, like I'm doing this for myself campaign, which happened down here with um, uh, um, uh, Michaela Ayers, who she was running against Danny Hoyer. Um, and and it, was, it was my congressperson when I lived in Maryland. Uh-huh. Uh, she didn't have the, the, the groundswell support and she ran pretty much on her on her own. Whereas like in, in, in this case and in other cases, uh, you were able to like attract, you're able to attract like people to come in and help you. And that gives you more resources. So even though you don't have the monetary capital that uh, uh, the incumbent may have, what you'll have is like people on the ground actually like doing work for you and actually like knocking on doors and uh, you're attending different meetings and functions and le- listening to the community and learning what's going on in the community. Uh, and so these things are really important. Um, like I said, they're, it's hard to say for each uh, place where you're running. There's no real comment for it. There's no real magic bullet that gets everything going. But, uh, you know, if progressives really, really want things to move in our favor. I think local is the way. And I think local is the way as let's get our resources into these local candidates and start, like, getting them on, on board. And also, we texted over this um, uh, over the week. Uh, you know, start grooming candidates to start, like, being on your line of your interests um mm-hmm. and so when if they want to step up to bigger seats and bigger races you know that person's actually on your on your had your back and you know they 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 they've done this at this level they're gonna um run ask for your help or run to a bigger level and you're like well i helped you get here so let's make sure that you're doing the things that you're that you did prior when you got our help and and, and so forth so uh, I think all that's like really important. It's a long-term strategy. The GOP does that. Like that's one thing that Republicans do. Um, they got like a huge bench of like people that can run for for offices. Uh, and if you notice, like um, they cycle them in and out. Like these guys, like if they make it to the congressional level, for instance, they're not there for like super long. They're there for like maybe 10, 10 years tops, and then they go into like some big lobbying firm. And there's a younger uh-huh. person that steps in and does stuff. Um, yep. They have a huge bench and. It's something that I know the Democratic Party doesn't care about because they, they love seniority, but I think that progressives can really like make a make inroads if they step in and say, let's start grooming candidates, let's start getting people into these local races and start developing our own bench so that when the time comes and you bring in your corporate chill from the Democratic Party side and you have like a progressive candidate that's actually been in the streets, that actually knows the community, that's actually talking to people, and they have uh, uh, this, this huge network of people that, that supports them, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. Cause you know, yeah. you you may have the money, but I literally have the people behind me, and they know who I am, and I'm a much bigger name than this person that you've airlifted from, uh, whatever like corporate or party infrastructure establishment that you just dropping into this place because they happen to have a uh, a PO box in in this county. You right. know what I mean? So that's and, the important thing. And I'm not gonna lie. Um, and 
not just in this case, but in all mm -hmm. these races, I'm always concerned about once they get in office, because mm -hmm. one thing she is, she is a political outsider. And now, because she caught them by surprise, um, she did an interview today locally, and the news mm -hmm. stations are starting to ask her some tough questions. And some, mm -hmm. some of the questions she had to be like, I'm thinking, and stuff like that, which is no problem thinking, but you know, um, some of these answers have to be a little crisp. Um, or even if you don't have the answers, if you're like, you know, once we get in, we're going to study this and blah, 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 right. you know. Um, because one of the things is she don't use the term defund the police, but she does want to reallocate funding from mm -hmm. police departments to mental health services. And she was a nurse, which makes sense because <clears throat> she was in health mm -hmm. field. Um, that's going to be a fight right there. Mm -hmm. So you you have to have your answers ready to go, and you can't hesitate. But on a bright note, what she did when they asked, "Was she a socialist?" She didn't hesitate. She said yes, mm -hmm. and she explained why. She gave very sharp answers for that. So that's kudos. So we we just have to monitor the situation and see how it goes. Or on another note too, it's not just about stuff like mayors, um, but we had a sheriff race that. I'm pretty happy about two at least <clears throat> the person I wanted to win the primary one and those important positions as well. Um, you know, we have to watch stuff like that, DA races, um, because if we can dominate in these areas, mm -hmm. like, we can at least get a bench and we can kind of make some some laws in these local areas. Like, uh, right. for instance, each local area is different. Buffalo just we in a unique situation because marijuana, marijuana just became legal in New York state. So we're going to have mm -hmm. extra revenue discussions. Mm -hmm. What to do with that extra revenue uh, can be had now, especially since we about to get a more progressive uh, mayor. What can we do with those extra funds? Right. So stuff like stuff like that is very important. Um, and to contrast that, cause you know, we had the election at NYC, which kind of <laughs> went, the other way. And I kind of <laughs> want to talk about that and the propaganda of crime, of the way the media is discussing crime in general. Right, right. And I hate to brag, but we was ahead of this. Yeah. I've been, we was ahead of this before the media started making an issue over it. I read something in New York Times <clears> like, <throat> oh, I see the game plan. Crime is going up, so they're going to use this to turn the, the conversation away from police reform. Yeah. And into crime is rising, so let's not do police reform. Now, Heen, can you answer this for me? Okay. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dumb person. I'm not. I never claim to be the smartest person in the world. So right. maybe uh, it's something I'm missing. But what do crime going up have to do with police abusing their power and using excessive force? Can, I don't get the correlation. Can you explain that to me? Because I'm, well, I'm not a, I'm not a smart person either. Um, mm. I, I I struggle with a lot of things, but I'm gonna have to. My answer would be that it doesn't have anything to do with the other. Um, crime going up has nothing to do with uh, police brutality, excessive force, um, criminal conduct, none of that stuff that police officers have done or murder. Um, and uh, as we've seen in in the New York City race, uh, they elected um, Eric Adams, a former cop, uh, who actually like. 
I read recently, like he was actually Republican for a few years. Um, he called himself a conservative Republican. His own words. <laughs> um, and so uh, they, you know, now granted he has been critical of the police force in New York City, but it's that that liberal criticism that it's not really criticism. It's just more so like we need to train them better and give them more money to make sure they're doing things right. But they're gonna. But you know, when things when push comes to shove, and when there's another police related excessive uh, force incident in New York City, whether it's uh, someone getting choked out over selling Lucy's or, you know, plungers being uh, used in, in inappropriate ways and so forth, or probably getting shot up a million times, uh, uh, I'm sure that he's going to kowtow to whatever um, the whims of the of the New York police uh, the union is uh, in, in the city and stuff. And so uh, he, so to give backstory, he, uh, Eric, Eric Adams is the, um, the, uh, he won. They had the Democratic primaries last night, and uh, he so far is the leader of the race. Um, they haven't declared him as a winner yet, but he has like a pretty big lead right now. And um, there's been that that race has had so much wildness. Um, with starting with him, uh, you know, there's this there's stories that he doesn't even live in Brooklyn for real, even though he's like the Brooklyn borough president and is running for mayor of New York City. He might actually live in New Jersey, uh, which is hilarious to me. Um, uh, there's the the Yang the Yang movement <laughs> that 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 his his campaign was so interesting to me dog like when he ran for president he had a multicultural campaign I'm, I'm not a Yang fan at all like I've never been an Andrew Yang fan so let's like that I'll, I'll I'll put that out there but his campaign was very multicultural he had black people white people uh, he was kind of having like a nice little base around young people that were worrying about like hey uh, capitalism screwed me over hey why don't you give me UBI and from from that to where he is today, where he his base was like I think like rich rich people in the outer boroughs and Hasidic Jewish people, none of the cultural culture that he had in the presidential campaign it was really fascinating um, to see that. But they had some really bad choices in New York this year, and I kind of feel bad for him because <laughs> none of them like really seemed that uh, appealing, at least on the mill side. Right, right. I I agree. I, I'll get to Yang real quick, real real quick before I get back to Adams. Um, <laughs> it, this really was Yang race to lose, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He had the most name recognition, um, <laughs> even yep. though Adams had name recognition for being um, Brooklyn Borough President and some of the other ones. But he had mm-hmm. by far because he ran for president the most name recognition. He was leading in the polls. Mm-hmm. But yep. I don't know. Me and Fa talked about this his association with Bloomberg terrible idea for the go. Yes, you get money. I don't know why he thought Bloomberg was popular. He's not. And all uh, his baggage... You know why I thought that? You know why I thought Bloomberg was the, go, the way to go? Because he doesn't why, know New York City. <laughs> That's why. Right. He tried to run for right. governor, mayor of New York City, and didn't know New York City. <laughs> right. Right. And the only thing I liked about Yang, I, I didn't think he was ever impressive in his presidential run. I thought his debates, he looked awkward. And if you wasn't talking about UBI, none of his answers was good, really. Yeah. Um, they would ask him, they would ask him a question about, okay, what do you think about? And of course, the media would never ask a question like this, but I give you, I'll just give an example. What do you think about the genocide in Yemen? And should the U.S. continue to support Saudi Arabia if they going do this? ridiculous bombing in Yemen and a genocide. Well, you know, I I think if we give UBI, there yeah. would be no reason for us to support 
um or be involved in it. So I think UBI is the answer. What? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 actually how I went with him for a lot of these questions. So he's he was an embarrassing candidate um on the national level and and then New York New York as well. Mr. Yang, what do you think about the surgery, the surgeons, and our democracy being a risk? Uh, what do you think about January 6th? Well, if we had UBI, that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. Yang, how do you feel about how do you feel about affordable health care? UBI, well, UBI, <laughs> UBI is, is is the answer to all this stuff. He, he just wasn't a serious candidate, right? And. The good thing is, I will give him credit. He did give UBI the mm-hmm. push it need. UBI is not new. Um, a few years ago, I talked about how they did the pilot program in Stockton. They did a mm-hmm. pilot program in Oakland That's before right. Yang candidacy, but he he's the one that put in a national spotlight, so he deserved credit for that. And he is talking about automation, which I think that we're not talking about enough. Automation mm-hmm. is going to be an issue. It's, it's becoming an issue now. Yep. And I even think some progressives kind of laughed at it. Like, it's some futurist. I'm like, no, it's very real. Automation is taking a lot of jobs. And mm-hmm. um, it's only going to get worse. And when that happens, what are we going to do? That's a valid discussion. So uh, I give them credit for that. Now, because you, I agree with you on one or two issues doesn't mean I think you should run uh, a country, a state, or a city. <laughs> you know, that's that's where it comes down to. And I, I was going to give Yang a chance, but the more he talked, I was like, okay, maybe not president, but it'd be interesting. So I wanted to see where his campaign went, mm-hmm. and the more he talked, the less I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. That, that's yeah, where it came down to Yang. He's always been kind of like a, like, uh, I hate to say it, but he's always been kind of like a grifter to me. Like I, I always see him as like finding some next opportunity to jump on, but he's not a serious candidate. Like I, he's one of those candidates that that happened because of Donald Trump. Um, but like if we had a stronger vetting process in the past, I don't know if he gets to that level. But I will give him credit. But I will give him a lot of credit. Like you mentioned, like UBI and automation are really like important things that Very important uh, are going to are going to be needed to talk about. And I'm glad that he brought up. I just don't I don't really know how serious he was about it. I'm going to be 100% real with you, but um, but I think there are important things that we did. But my my biggest crux for him when he talked about UBI was that he 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 never addressed like the social other social programs, and I always felt that it is mind. Yeah, we'll give you give you all thousand dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month, and we'll not worry about. We'll start taking money away from like you know Medicaid and Medicare, and you know we'll figure out how to like limit social security and all this stuff. Like do things that. Uh, we'll we'll cut down the safety net. That that was always my concern with him, and he never articulated that clearly. And I, that's when I started looking at him like, all right, this guy's kind of like a funny dude that I shouldn't take seriously. Then he then he started going on with like the the agents no map stuff and all these other goofy things that I I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know how any person with any respect can vote this dude, but it's, it's either him or there. <laughs> the math thing I found kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie, I I didn't mind that. It was just a marketing strategy, so I was like, whatever with that. But um. All answers can't be U- UBI. And the UBI he was proposing in New York City was laughable, mm-hmm. really. Um, and I understand you can't do the same thing on a city, local level that you can do nationally. But it, <laughs> yeah. I think he was proposing UBI for about half a million residents in New York. You, New York is a city over 8 million people. 8 that's billion that's people. not really going to do nothing. But anyway, he conceded. So <laughs> back to Adams. 
And my, my problem with Adams is this. I talked about this with Fly as well. Um, I feel like a lot of his support come from him being a brother. And I, I like, I, I give black people the benefit of doubt too. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't care if you black if you support harmful policies. Now, when it comes to something like stop and frisk, the fact that he just didn't outright say stop and frisk is a wrong policy really bothered me. Um, he says that he like the way it was applied was wrong. No, it's wrong, period. Right. Stop and frisk is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Like, is a violation of the Fourth Amendment, is a violation right. of your rights to privacy. Um, you searching people with no probable cause. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not even uh, effective policy. Yep. Well over 90% of the time, they found nothing on people. Yep. And then when it comes to f- stopping first, you have to worry about police playing evidence because NYPD yeah. don't have the best of reputation. They notoriously corrupt. Yeah. I mean, we're going to put that out there. Like, yep. it is what it is. And I don't care if people get mad. Look at the facts. Look at all the things that NYPD have done throughout the history. Sticking plungers in people, anuses. Um, shooting 40 something times, multiple occasions, whether it's Abdul Dillet Diallo, whether it's Sean Bell, look at the Eric Gardner situation. So, what Stopping Fricks did, it gave police the license not to not to just search quote unquote thugs and criminals, but innocent people. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I know a lot of black people in New York that's not street at all, they like. Black hipsters. People like that was getting stopped at first because of the area they was walking in yeah. or if they was in a certain neighborhood. It basically gave police the right to just harass people. Look at Khalif Browler mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that situation. So, and, and this is the, and this is why I want um, you to come in at two. Um, I'm actually worried about the propaganda that's going on because. I feel like some of the propaganda is infiltrating our community as well. Okay. And I, and I understand it because we are the ones that's suffering the impact of crime going up in these high crime areas. Although mm-hmm. crime is going up in rural right areas too. Mm-hmm. It's not just the cities. But, you know, um, I watched CNN today, right? And that's a big mistake. <laughs> you got you got to watch it. Even time to time, I watch a little bit of Fox. I can't stomach it too long. I even watch a little bit of Fox News time to time, or listen to a conservative talk radio just to see what it is they talking about. Because I never want to live in a bubble. It's hard. Okay. I, I don't watch it too much because it's nauseating. Yeah. But I want to say R.I.P. to Milton <clears throat> Grant. They interviewed his wife, and those of you who don't know who he is, it was a terrible situation where. Sisless robbery. Um, and he ended up getting shot, losing his life, and just a terrible situation. Left a widow behind. His wife was on CNN, right? And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. This is. I'm not going at his wife. I'm not um, saying anything bad about her. But uh, this is mainly towards CNN and how I think they're using her grief. To push a certain narrative. Um, so when they interviewed her, they asked her, "What do you think is the cause of all this crime that's going on?" Right. That's that's what they asked a uh, grieving widow right time right now. 
And her reply was, you know, um, my husband worked hard. He liked nice things and he worked hard for them. But there's so many people that don't want to work hard for it or that don't want to work hard. They can collect unemployment and they can. Um, so instead of working hard to collect unemployment and they do these crimes, basically. And again, grieving widow, I'm not mad at that. Right. The fact is that people on unemployment, there's not evidence that they commit no. a high amount of crime at all. So, but I think that's the type of message they want to get off. And it's more powerful when you have a, a truly grieving widow out there mm -hmm. saying this. And they was asking her, what do she want to be, what, what do she want to be done about crime? And she said that she, she don't know, basically. But the whole segment was basically wrapped around this poor woman grief to push a note that crime is out of control and um we need to get tough on crime and when you do that you get stuff like the 94 crime bill yep you know so this is very dangerous to me uh, i know you didn't see the segment but what i for what i described what's, what's your thoughts on that well i mean so let's like step back um you know what are what's the what is the what does the police do if you want to like think about it like just that's the question what does the police do they protect property mm -hmm. that's it and property is uh, who has property people that are wealthy right all the stuff that you ever see whenever whenever when the uprisings happened last year when they happened in baltimore um the biggest thing was always like uh hey they burnt down a cvs or or they burnt down a a, a restaurant or you know, the L.A. riots happened. They burnt down businesses and all this stuff. Um, never about the actual pain as the why they're doing stuff. It's always about the property damage and stuff because that's what police are supposed to do. It's like property and property is is a is a is a part of the capital class's like way of keeping you know their their status and stuff. They have property, have money and stuff. And our corporate media <laughs> is what they work with the, the capital class. They work with the elites. So you have to kind of consider that as the first thing. But um, in this case here, like I, it's it's it's. It's like I'm not. There's no absolute like people committing crimes. I'm not. You're not going to see me defend them at all. And I'm not doing that now. And especially in this case where um, uh, someone senselessly lost their lives um, mm -hmm. in a in a robbery got wrong. It's horrible. But um, but I don't want to say but. But let's also consider that we are like still kind of like we are in a global depression in in a way. You know what I mean? Like we are like what happened last year with the pandemic and econ the economy stopping and uh, uh, people losing their jobs and um, not go, no government support has led to like a, um, a certain crime because people are poor and desperate. That's that's what happens. People lose their 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 resources. They lose their their way of making money. They lose their way of doing things they are, that they were accustomed to doing. Um, you see a uptick in crime. That's not even like that's just and you mentioning like it happens. It's happening in rural areas across the country. It's happening all over America. Let you know that like this isn't just an isolated thing where you need to like start. <clears throat> Increasing the police force in black communities and, and cities and stuff, but that this is a problem that's happening across America because we just had a, a world-altering event where people lost employment and lost their way of living. And granted, there's like unemployment that's better than what they were paid before, but it wasn't enough for a lot of people. And in, and in some instances, we didn't do enough to get people um, on their feet in this country in general. That's all. That's what's happening. And the narrative now is that crime's gone up. And why is crime going up? I don't know what's going on. Why? We know why. Uh -huh. We know why. So now and this was predictable. And it's predictable, exactly. So let's I, figure out how to, like, let's make sure that we can, like, instead of saying 
after last year where uh, we were um, uh, um, um, lamenting excessive police force after the death of, of George Floyd and um, after I think there's like a, I'm, I'm after the death of Chandra, uh, um, of uh, uh, a shorty in um in Kentucky. I'm I'm, I'm getting tired of Breonna like Taylor. Yeah, Breonna Taylor. Yeah, I, I want to say there's about ten different names I wanted to say, but I, I was going to say Breonna Taylor, but Breonna Taylor, and and many other people that were that were killed um over the course of the last year or so by by the by the police. Um, the predictable when crime goes up, the predictable thing is like, well, you know, this all happened last year, but you know that's those are a couple instances. Let's just give more money to the police. Let's start getting more police. police. Right. Like, no, that's not the answer. We know that's not the answer. Because, right, you know, it's, it's never been the answer. <laughs> you know what frustrating to me? Why can't two things be true at the same time? Mm-hmm. Why can't we say, okay, we need to address crime, but we also need police reform? My thing is this. I wouldn't necessarily be upset with more police presence if we solved the underlying problem of excessive force and qualified immunity. Yeah. Now, until we solve that, I'm very hesitant for that because you've given a lot of these people and there's multiple problems. FBI reports, white supremacists infiltrating police units. I mean, that's from Republican presidents, FBI's. Um, There's multiple reports of that. There's black cops that Mm -hmm. issued um, statements of how racist their departments are. There's, I mean, there's more than overwhelming evidence of the biases that a lot of these police officers have. But again, we're not saying all, right? But we haven't solved the problem of excessive force. And cops, I don't care if you're in a high um, crime area or not. You have to look at each situation as a unique circumstance in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this particular incident, what happens and what is the appropriate course of action with the appropriate course of force? Can I just use a verbal? Can I talk this person down? And too often they go straight to just violence. Um, Tamir Rice shot within two seconds. He had a toy gun, Mm -hmm. 15-year-old with a toy gun. You think, (laughs) I mean, there's video of that. And they try to say, oh, you know, he could have been in danger. You think he was pointing a toy gun at police officers? Come on, let's 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 be honest. And that police officer who killed him had a bad history in itself. Until we solve the problem of these cops with multiple incidents still being in police force, mm-hmm. until we solve the problem of qualified immunity and not be able to sue the cops themselves, mm-hmm. um, going after them personally. Um, till we solve a, the problem of um, no consequences if your body cam is not on. Right. I mean, till we solve the problem of ridiculous amount of excessive forces and real consequences. Don't talk to me about up in the police presence. Like, yes, let's do police reform first. And then, yes, I wouldn't necessarily mind more police presence in appropriate areas. But it has to be the right type of strategy. But before you have police preferences, too, how about um, job programs for the youth? Exactly. And yeah. also, I don't know if you remember this, Heen, but I remember multiple experts predicting a spike in crime Yeah. because of the downturn of the economy because yeah. that's, that always happens. Yeah. Right. And that's no, and again, that's no excuse. 
um, especially in like the, the Milton Grant situation, like there is no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's bad enough you robbing somebody that was mind their own business, but it just takes it to the next level. Not only is a robbery, you killed over something so trivial, trivial, trivial like like jury yeah. or a little bit of money you do get for this, you know, um, you get caught. You're going to spend the rest of your life. It's so stupid. It, you destroy the whole family. Mm-hmm. So that's not an excuse. And this is the other thing, too. When we talk about police reform <clears throat> and we talk about criminal justice reform, Heem, I never heard you say that somebody that commit murder shouldn't be in jail. No, no one's or ever prison. said that. I don't, no I don't one's know. Ever... I, we've been talking for a while. I don't think I ever heard you say that. No one's ever said no one's ever said that people that that commit serious crimes shouldn't seek punishment. That's never right. been a conversation. Like that's right. that's why when you when we had this that we had these discussions, it comes from a, a from a from a disingenuous position because people are coming in with like, well, you're saying this, you're saying that. I'm like, no, no one's saying that if somebody commits like a serious and heinous crime, they shouldn't seek punishment for it. But what we're saying is that excessive force of the police force is 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 is, is there. We need to do something about that and. We need to do something. To, uh, we need to have crime prevention because let's be real. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Like, police don't like stop crime. What stops crime is like having people uh, get educations, having people have jobs, having people um, be able to support themselves. That's what stops crime, uh, uh, especially serious crime. Uh, we 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 we've forgotten that this country. We decided that like people, um, uh, uh, you know, police are superheroes. They can like prevent, like they can jump through your window and. Uh, catch a bullet uh, through the teeth, like Superman or something like that. When they, that's not what they do. They come in, they solve crimes. They try to find what happened, but they don't. They don't prevent crime. So we have to like start thinking about that. And you know, ideally, like I said before, you want a world where you don't need police and you don't need uh, that stuff. And we should start working towards that. We don't need to like uh, continue like having people out there that uh, uh, create hostile criminal environments. I mean, there's um, uh, the, the, you know, we're talking about excessive force now, but I don't know if you've seen these videos that the police officers. Uh, um, uh, flipping cars over and stuff, or um, in the case of that guy, I think in uh, New York, um, who he had a, his daughter was killed. I think it was like last December. I forgot to remember his name right now, but a family of four they were driving. They were just speeding. They weren't even speeding actually. Oh no, I'm sorry. They were they were supposed to be pulled over. Um, trying, trying to pull over, find a place to pull over. Mm-hmm. The officer instead like um um uh hit the back like of the vehicle yeah, yeah. i seen that back yeah. of the vehicle hit yeah, the back yeah, of the vehicle and killed a, a little girl there's another instance where a pregnant woman the same thing happened to a pregnant woman she like was trying yeah. to find a, a area to pull over at couldn't yeah. find one but had her had her hands up saying hey i want to pull over just relax right officer couldn't couldn't uh uh you know uh uh you know say all right let's wait for her to pull over no he had to run up behind her and, and tilt them over and, yep. this is, and they're just speeding they're not, they're and that not, was actually and that was actually a pregnant white a pregnant woman. woman. Yeah, a pregnant woman. Yeah, and 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 that's, that's what they the do, thing man. too. And that's the thing too that a lot of these people don't realize. <clears throat> eventually, once you start giving them all these problems, not just going to be black people. Eventually, no. You actually already started to see a few cases of police brutality um, happening among um, white people they disagree with as well. You know, that's that's starting to happen because mm-hmm. people y'all that gave them unfiltered range to do whatever they want to as long as they're not rich basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 not a it, it, this is a problem that we're all like gonna be like uh 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 uh, uh being afflicted with and it's like 
It's like why 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 would we want to like get them more money to 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 solve problems when they haven't they don't even have the answers in their own department and they're still like being excessive and they're still being violent against people. So we have to like we have to start asking these questions and giving right. them more money, yeah. saying that crime is up and we do something about this without like under, understanding the underlying issues of like people yeah. losing their economic standing. These are these are issues and y'all don't want to talk about it. Right. And and, and again, it, it is frustrating because Sometimes I feel like progressives don't combat these simple talking points. Again, nobody ever said that um, people that commit violent crimes shouldn't be in prison. As a matter of fact, I think they should be in prison for life with something mm-hmm. simple like that. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody said that somebody commit a violent crime should even be eligible for bail. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like when we talk about bail reforms for low level offenders where you right. was having these ridiculous amount of bail, people have to put up their house for a low level crime, something like a right. Or people being in prison for years on end for a small amount of drugs mm-hmm. with mandatory minimums. That's what we was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody want somebody that do a violent assault, rape, or or pedophilia um, to have a light sentence. Nobody ever said that. Stop conflating issues. Right. But the thing is, they lump everybody as a major criminal, even if it's something petty, like a speed, like speeding, like going ten miles right. over the speed limit. And the brother's name I mentioned earlier about the family that was that daughter that was killed, mm-hmm. it was uh Tristan Goods. He was in Brooklyn and he was in like Ulster, which is like outside of New York City. Yep. And they they were chasing him and they actually pepper sprayed the car first and then they ran them into like a um at high speed into like a barrier killing the guy's daughter. And he had a and he had a car of women, him and his and his like his wife and his kids. They were all girl, right. like little girls. And this is horrible. Now, now before we get out of here, and, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's horrific. Biden and Biden, Biden makes me Biden. mad. Like no, no talk <laughs> on police reform, no. but you can give police departments the extra three hundred fifty billion. Huh? Um, although to be fair, there in his program, there's also incentives for summer youth jobs and stuff like that as well, which uh, which I think is good. But um, you know, remember this is Mr. Crime Bill itself. It's not as bad as the Crime Bill or anything like that, but before we give police departments more money, we need to solve qualified immunity and police right. reform. Right. It can't, I, I don't want them getting more money till that's solved. But, you know, we have to believe better. Us as progressives have to market better. Mm-hmm. I always said that defund the police was a bad term to use because it confused people. There's literally people thinking that there's going to be no police at all in the city if you defund the police you can explain exactly what you think of doing is just okay instead of that however millions or billions of dollars you want to give that mm-hmm. police department and increasing their budget let's put that to mental health and let's have police focusing on serving their community right in their capacity and let the mental health professionals do their job why right. you having police respond the situations that they're not trained to handle, that they're not a professional. You have exactly. licensed counselors, social workers, mental health professionals for a reason to deal with that type of stuff. Police mm-hmm. officers are not trained to do that. So, Indeed, man. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's to, the gist of it. Mm-hmm. I, you have to market things better, and I don't disagree with that. But I, I, you know, I like I said before, I think that we need to start talking about a world without like having like police like that. Let's start like envisioning that world, and that doesn't mean that they go away tomorrow. That just means like let's start mm-hmm. talking about what that looks like. Let's start enacting policies that make it so that uh, you know we can have this utopian world. Where we don't need police. Putting yeah. more, putting more police on the on the field on the, on the, out there, especially now, like in a lot of different cities where um, they're actually like intentionally like, and at least in, they've been saying in New York City where they're actually like intentionally like slowing down like enforcement because they want to they want crime to go up so they can so people know that hey y'all need us don't y'all yeah right. we, we need y'all because you're not you're not doing your jobs <laughs> you know what I mean like that's that's happening in a lot of places around the country as well so it's like I don't know man like I yeah. I, I get really frustrated um, uh, that when there's an uptick in crime, the, the immediate thought is like, let's get the police more guns and give them more more ammo to to inflict violence instead of uh, let's start figuring out what's the basis of crime and let's start solving that. Right, right. And instead, they blow they blaming it on unemployment benefits. I'm not talking about old boy rights because that's been the media narrative. Mm-hmm. That's been what the media been been putting out there. But I just want to leave you with this. Um, Picture the situation that a lot of black people is living in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a policy like stop it first, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of black people are getting terrorized in their own neighborhood by not just the police, but you know these gangs, yeah. these bad actors, robbers, jack boys, yeah, all sorts of people in their neighborhood, and they are afraid to go to police not just because the representation of snitching is because oftentimes they go to the police and police make the situation worse. Exactly. They, so, you know, they come across police, they get harassed by police and they get harassed by mm-hmm. bad actors. So it's no, mm-hmm. so what do you do? Literally some people feel like they have nowhere to go. And that's when those type of people start looking for weapons to protect themselves because they don't feel like they have, they don't feel like, um, the government is looking out for them. They don't right. feel like they can go to the police. You go to the police, I might lose my life, or right. they might try to search me for something stupid. You know, it, it is really like that. That's why police have to have the trust of the community as well. Mm-hmm. You can't send um, the popular term now is race soldiers, and a lot of these people are race soldiers. I mean, it's true. Um, not every cop, but a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. So you can't send some of these race soldiers in these neighborhoods and expect a bunch of people to cooperate with them when they have when they're not looking out for the best interest of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is what what it is. Let's get this economy going. Let's get these these youth programs going. Let's get these community centers. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and let's go from there. People who don't commit crime if they if they uh, are, are in a, in, there's like a, a safety net, there's like a stable environment. Crime isn't going to be happening. We know this. Yeah. Or we've less crime this. will happen. Or, or better yet, less crime will happen. But we've yeah. always known this and yet um, we don't ever try to do that. And we don't try to do that because there's a whole business behind policing and so forth, which I don't want to kind of get into. But uh, not policing, but policing and so and crime justice and so forth that is, is bigger than this conversation. But um, but yeah, we, 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 we need to address the actual like root causes of this stuff instead of just uh, um, try to like find like the like instead of just throwing people in prison and saying that's it because that doesn't solve anything. All you're doing is like 
either creating more people that are criminals or putting people in situations that they shouldn't they aren't supposed to be in and have them terrorized in places that they shouldn't be at. If you're a low level like a uh, uh, a person with weed, you're like a, 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 a just like a small like a uh, um, a, a, a blunt on you, and and they arrest you and put you in jail for five years in a really uh, harsh facility. Like that's that's not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not supposed to be there, but you are there. Or, and what happens? You either become a criminal or you get terrorized and and jail yeah. and become a, a person. Right, or you could be in jail for years for supposedly stealing a book bag. Yeah, this is nonsense. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's so nothing, that man. it's tiring. So yeah, let's not just talk about crime without talking about the need for police reform, criminal justice reform. Yes, yeah. we can address two problems at the same time. It don't have to be either or. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave y'all with that. Make sure you subscribe, right. share. All that um, great show um, on Spotify sure. now too. So yeah, there Subscribe, we go. Subscribe, y'all. Subscribe. Peace. Take care.